0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three and One who has come in order to give us words to speak to God. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ. If you are a Game of Thrones person, or now I guess I kind of have to say, if you were a Game of Thrones person, uh, if you you were watching the shows and everything, one of the things that you probably recognized was that um, each sort of little clan or each sort of little tribe, um, they, they had these things that they would call their house words. And your house words were sort of like your family motto. They, they were these things that meant a lot to you. And so, House Stark, their words were, winter is coming. Which was sort of like a a very aggressive kind of Boy Scout motto. Of, you know, always be prepared. Winter is coming. It's on the way. And, and you had uh, House Lannister. And House Lannister had one official... And one unofficial uh, set of house words. The official one was Hear Me Roar, so you kind of understand a little bit about who they are just from that. And then you had the unofficial one, which was A Lannister Always Pays His Debts, which they usually meant as in, like, if you got in trouble with them, you probably weren't going to live too long. <laughs> and you had other houses, just one more, the, this house named Greyjoy that was filled with pirates. And their house words were, we do not (laughs) sow. Meaning that they were never going to be farmers, they were never going to make their own money or their own crops, they were just going to steal it from you. And, And so you have these house words that were impactful and meaningful for those fictional houses, and you wonder what are the words that are meaningful and impactful for us today? What are those meaningful things? Maybe your family has a motto. William Danforth, uh, probably one of the, the first guys who ever got into uh, the genre of uh, self help books, uh, his family had this motto that was um, uh, the, the best of uh, all, who I am, the best of myself, all the time. Which is a very, wow. Very, very law-based, hard-to-live-up-to thing, but that, that was his family motto. And, and so everybody in the family would know that motto. And, and maybe your family doesn't have a motto, but maybe there's something, uh, if you work, maybe there's some kind of uh, corporate motto. Or if you're a student, you know what virus, Artes, and Moris are. Anybody actually know? Yeah? Oh, bad FSU people. But there are these collections of words that mean a lot to us. And these collections of words, they're they're gathered together and they're they're gathered close to our hearts. And for people of faith, we have a few of those different words that we gather close to our hearts. And I think specifically as Lutherans, we, we gather together around words like a mighty fortress, is our God. We gather around words like, this is my body, this is my blood. We gather around words like, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as Christians worldwide, we gather around the words that Jesus gave us to pray to the Father. The words that you probably were like, Hey, why is Jesus messing up his own prayer in the Gospel of Luke? Because as you read through Luke's telling, uh, you you realize that the Lord's prayer that we will speak in just a little while is not the same thing that you find there. So you start going, well, what's the deal? And and the deal is that it actually comes from Luke and Mark, and, and they kind of fit them together. But these words are important. These words tell us who we are. So, they are as much a conversation with God as a conversation with ourselves sometimes. Our Father, who art in heaven. Sure, there's conversational language there about, hey, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to the God of the universe, the guy who is in heaven. But I'm also recognizing that by calling him Father, I am addressing myself to him as his child. I am addressing myself to him as someone who is beloved by him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That when I say that, I'm saying your name is holy. I'm giving you worship. I'm I'm saying that uh, simply your name alone is beautiful, is perfect, is other than me. And you're recognizing and saying that that there is something about you that is not hallowed. Something in you that recognizes the greatness of God because of your insignificance. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Recognizing both in that conversation with God, asking for his kingdom to come, asking for his will to be done, but also recognizing that we live in this messy place where we're kind of in between those things, where where we're in between this desire that we sometimes feel for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done, but also recognizing that there is sin at the very center of us that sometimes reacts negatively to that, that says, I don't want your kingdom to come. I don't want your will to be done, at least in my life, maybe in that guy. But not me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, recognizing that we don't have that on our own, recognizing that our daily bread doesn't come simply by what we do at our jobs, recognizing that our daily bread doesn't simply come because we're nice people, but because those things are gifts given to us. And, and here's the the one that's maybe a little bit problematic for, for us. We, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us or trespass against us, depending on your language. And you, you, you kind of go, oh, well, no, God, I, I don't want to pray that, Jesus. I, I'm really bad at that forgiveness thing. Please, no, do not forgive me as I forgive. But, but what if we just got to a point where, where we said, okay, well, maybe this is just like as I'm forgiving other people, that I'm recognizing that I can't forgive myself, that I'm recognizing that there is something about me where I can't just stand over Jay Winters and say, Jay, you are forgiven, but I have to receive that from somebody else, so that I can go about my life, and I can go forgiving people, but as I'm forgiving all of the people around me, hopefully, (laughs) that I'm receiving that same forgiveness for myself. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. that we're saying, God, we we need help. We, We don't want to be tempted. We don't want to be in the midst of evil. But we're also recognizing that we will find ourselves there. And then you have the weird little bit that if you're used to worshiping perhaps with other, other traditions, they, they cut this off uh, because it's not originally a part of the gospel things. Um, uh, but it, it goes, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. And if you're ever worshiping alongside uh, somebody who is Roman Catholic, there's a good chance, uh, it's not 100% anymore, but a good chance that you will start saying that and you will out yourself as the Protestant or the Lutheran in the room. You know, for the oh, sorry. It it comes from this early church document called the Didache, uh, and, and and it's just a good summation of why we're bringing this to God. That that we're saying because all of this stuff is yours, because you have complete control over this, which is such good news. Because if we had complete control over this, well, we know what happens to the stuff that we have complete control over. We know that the stuff that we have complete control over fails. We know that we don't even live up to our own expectation, we don't even live up to our own words. Whatever those mottos are in your life, whether they be Verus Artis and Morris, whether they be something akin to what the Danforths say to each other when they have breakfast in the morning, whether they be something more like what the Lannisters say as they're shanking you in the back, you recognize that you are bad at following through on your own words. But as Christians, we recognize that God does not have that same frailty. God is not bad at following through on his words. God is perfect at following through on his own words. Which is so diametrically opposite from our experience that it's really hard for us to comprehend. And so we go... We, we we start to grapple with okay, when God says that He is going to create the world and He does it by saying it, we go, Well that can't can't be really what happens. And it is because when God says something, it happens. When God says that you are forgiven of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it's forgiven. When God says, this is my body and this is my blood. It is so. Not because that stuff is easy for us to comprehend, but because God has a perfect track record of following through on his words. And he showed us that by following through on his Old Testament promises that said there is a Messiah who is coming a Messiah who will suffer on behalf of the world so that we will have the words to address God as our Father. So may you this week, may you recognize how beautiful and how powerful those words are. But even more than that, may you recognize that Those words are powerful because God follows through on his promises. And may you take that faith in hand as you bring him the prayers of your ordinary life this week. Amen.